Hey friend, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I'm your host, Misty Phillip, and I am so excited that you are here with me today. We are walking through a series providing information that is helpful to your Christian walk so that you too can live by His grace. Our heart's greatest desire is to be seen and loved by our Creator. We all have a God-shaped hole in our heart that only He can fill. Oftentimes we look for other things to fill that hole, but only God can truly satisfy. My guest on today's show is Bob Wheatley. Bob is a believer, a former professional athlete. He is the co-host of that singles show, and he's the author of the newly released book, Our Heart's Desire. In Our Heart's Desire, he uses the power of story to share the greatest love story of all. On this episode, we talk about walking in singleness and how God has used that part of his journey. If you love a good story, then you are going to love this interview, but you are also going to love his new book with references to The Dark Knight, The Hunger Games, Friends, and dozens of other stories from popular culture. Bob Wheatley walks readers through the three acts of storytelling, revealing how every story we tell is a reflection of God's ultimate love story. I pray that this episode is a blessing to you. If it is, go buy Bob's book and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Bob Wheatley, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. It is such a pleasure to meet you, and I'm so glad that you're you're here. So welcome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I was looking forward to this. Yeah, so you've got a really interesting story. Former baseball player, now you're a podcaster and an author, and so I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. You've got a really interesting story that led to the ministry that you have today, and so I want to jump right in, and can you share some of the backstory of, of what led you to where you are now? Yeah, sure. So I live in Nashville, Tennessee. And as you mentioned, I have a podcast, That Single Show. And we started that podcast as a ministry for singles in the church. And I say we, because I have a co-host uh, named Kelly Corday, who's been a longtime radio personality. And she, uh, she became a widow about six years ago when her husband passed. She and I met at our church and I was doing a similar, but a different podcast at the time. And she was thinking about getting into that world. So when she heard about my podcast, she's like, Hey, can we, can we join forces and start something new? And so that's where 
that single show came about. But like I said, I, I live in Nashville. I'm originally from California and, uh, I played a couple years of professional baseball after, after leaving school. So I was hopping from city to city. I was always a, uh, a minor leaguer didn't play in the bigs, but I was doing that minor league life living on buses and living out of motels. And it was a, it was a very challenging experience. There's a lot of difficulties in it, but there's also so many good things. I mean, half of my teammates didn't weren't from this country like half of them didn't didn't speak English as as their first language. They were from the Dominican Republic and Venezuela and Mexico and Colombia. And yet that's my shortstop. You know, that's that that's my catcher. That's my teammate that I'm going to battle with. And I had some amazing experiences come from that. There are definitely some things that I did poorly during that time, but it was a big factor in, in shaping who I am today. No question. Oh, that's so amazing. So let's get a little bit further into your story. You know, as a single man, you were praying and, you know, um, about a future wife and what happened in that story? Yeah, I, it was, it was probably five years ago. It was actually right after I finished playing professional baseball. I'm kind of putting that dream to bed. And that was such a big part of my life. I mean, the baseball season itself is about six months. And then I would actually go live in New Orleans every off season and train with a, there's a great pitching coach down there. So my six month season became a 10 month season. And I always remember those two months in between was like, it was the, it was the vacation time. It was when I would go back to California, I'd get my, my beach time in, I get to sleep in and all that. But the other 10 months was just a total grind. So when I shut that down and stopped playing, it, it wasn't like the crisis moment, like, who am I? I don't know what's going on, but I was relearning a lot of things. I mean, that's, that's 10 months on the calendar. That's just wide open now. Right. All right. What, what are we going to do? And so I, at that time, my, my marriage, my future marriage was probably the most important thing in the world to me. And I went to, I went to Christian schools growing up, middle school, high school, like first period of the day, we're at Christian learning. We're memorizing scripture, the whole deal. So I would have told you I was a Christian for I mean, years, years and years. But I think that was an idol that I had set up because it was something, you know, a very good thing, marriage that I wanted. And I kind of said, all right, my life will not begin until I have that, until I have her. And like I said, it was about five years ago, but I felt like God asked me to surrender that to him. And, you know, you have those clenched fists around the thing that you want most. And so I, you know, begrudgingly give that over to him. And luckily for me, I had, I had gotten cut. Uh, I gotten released in baseball for the third time, I got released by the Blue Jays, my first team. I got released by the St. Louis Cardinals, my second team. And then I got released by the normal corn belters in the Frontier League. I was making literally, I was making $600 a month on this team. It's like bottom of the barrel minor leagues. Oh my goodness. And they said, Hey, Bob, you're not good enough. Go home. So that's just like a crushing, crushing blow to this, you know, childhood dream that I had. And I had a, a longstanding relationship that ended abruptly right then. So it was like everything, this whole life that I had built or at least envisioned came crashing down. Yeah. So 
in that moment, it was very easy for me to, to hand it over to God. Cause it's kind of like throw up your hands. Oh, sure. God, of course you can handle this. Like I've, I've done a terrible job at it thus far and you're going to give me what I want tomorrow. Right. <laughs> and of course that, that never happens that way. Cause he has other plans, but I ended up giving that side of my life over to him, my relationships. And that was about five years ago. And it's, uh, it's been an interesting ride. That's for sure. Yeah, being on adventure with Jesus once we surrender our lives to him is definitely interesting. And you're right, we don't always get what we want. I remember wanting to move in, into this house in particular, and and we had looked for, for years to buy a new home. And it wasn't until I surrendered to the, the house we were living in and just said, okay, God, if this is where you want, I'm just going to be happy here instead of always trying to look to fill. It was like a desire that I wanted to fill in my heart, but really he just wanted my heart. And so that's one of the things that you really talk a lot about is the desires of our heart. And this new book that you wrote, Our Heart's Desire, How Our Stories Reveal the Thing We Want Most. So tell me a little bit about your book. Yeah. So the book has been, it's been a couple years in the making. I actually started writing it right at the beginning of the pandemic. And I had been writing before that I had stopped and started a couple of different books and I know you're an author, so maybe you're better than I am. So you no. might not have had this experience. I wrote a couple of very bad books that will never see the light of day, but it was good practice. Like I'd get, you know, a hundred pages in and it just didn't have the legs with this book. And it's, I'm not going to give anything away in the first chapter of the book, I'm actually explaining how this came about where I had the, I had the idea immediately where I, I've always been a reader when I was playing pro ball, it was a lot of nonfiction stuff. It was nutrition and mental game and workouts. And how do I become the best pitcher I can possibly be with limited tools, limited natural ability? Like, how can I optimize this? Then I had some friends recommend me like, Hey man, you need to pick up some fiction. You need to, you need to soften those edges a little bit. Like let's get into storytelling. Let's get, you know, let's talk to your right brain a little bit and maybe even your heart. I'm like, okay. So I had been reading a number of novels and just learning more about story and stuff like that. And I was just very gripped by that. And so in the first chapter of my book, I explained that I had this moment where going back to what I shared about uh, surrendering, you know, my relationships to God, I felt like he has specifically highlighted someone and then given me permission to pursue after a long time of waiting. So I was like sitting on the sideline, like really her. And it was like, wait, 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 wait. I finally felt like he said yes. And then it was just a crash and burn. It's like, what happened to all that time? It was just such a, such a devastating thing. But I was reading this, novel. And it was the story that I wanted to live. It was the hero, the villain, the love interest to be saved. Of course, he ends up winning the girl and the day at the end of the book. And I remember, like, I love the book for the first 300 pages, whatever it was. And then he has this moment of triumph and she, you know, she loves him and they ride off into the sunset, the whole deal. And I was just shook. It's like that. That's what I wanted. It's exactly what I wanted. I'm like, God, do you not want that for me? Like, why, why didn't you let me be that for her? And that was the beginning of this book because I had been, like I said, been, would have told you I was a Christian for a long time. 
when I moved to Nashville, I had a mentor recommend that I read the Bible in a year with him. And we've done that in the last five years. So that doesn't make me an expert on scripture. I would never say that, but I know the story and I'm constantly just pouring over it, reminding me, reminding myself of the story God has written for us. And as I looked at it through that lens, the hero, villain, love interest to be saved, paradise lost, paradise restored, all of these stories that we tell, whether it's novels or Hollywood movies, whatever, they are all alluding to the Bible, whether, whether they know it or not. It's like we were created by the master author, capital A author, God, and it is just hardwired into our DNA to know that story, to recognize that story, to long for that story. And I had just, I had misinterpreted what my role was. I am not the hero. I am not the protagonist. There is a hero, a villain, a love interest to be saved. I'm not the hero. This story is not about me. And that was such an eye-opening, humbling, freeing thing for me. And, and then, you know, I read scripture again through that lens and it's everywhere. Like what, what does Jesus say? Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's not saying you can only find your life if you become a martyr. He's saying, give it to me. Give me your life, what you think is your life. Whoever loses that, whoever surrenders for me, that's where you find what you're looking for. It's not, I mean, what does he say then thereafter? Whoever keeps his life loses it. So it was really eye-opening for me. And that was the that was the start of this book. It's essentially the Bible meets storytelling. Cause I believe I believe they're really one and the same. Yeah. Well, and you, you mentioned like even all of movies. So there's always, you know, good versus evil, whether, you know, in good triumphs in the end, typically, but it's, it's always this battle of good and evil. And we are in the battle of the ages that has been going on since the beginning of time. So even from that aspect, but I also love that you add this dimension about love. You know, the human heart needs to love and needs to be loved. But so many people today feel alone. How would you encourage them? Yeah, I, I would first of all say the loneliness reveals something to you. The, the fact that you're looking for something that you presumably don't have Number one, it tells you that there's a gap in your life. Number two, it tells you that that thing actually exists. And C.S. Lewis talks about that in Mere Christianity. Like if I have a desire for something that cannot possibly be met by anything on this earth, friendship, family, sex, fulfillment through work, whatever, then I must be made for something greater than that. And so, like I shared, I, you know, I've been... I've been single for, for five years and loneliness is a huge part of that. It's not a, not a daily part of that, but definitely something you can't possibly avoid that. And so if, if someone was listening to this and they're struggling with loneliness, first of all, I would just say, I can only imagine how lonely Jesus felt. Mm-hmm. Like he lived, he lived the, he lived the perfect life. And then what happens in his, you know, in the, in his time of need, if he ever had one, his, his disciples fled, right? They were gone. 
after showing nothing but love, nothing but loyalty, nothing but provision for them, he was all alone. And even, I mean, what does he say on the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus knows what it's like to be lonely. It wasn't his fault. He didn't deserve it, but he absolutely knows what that feels like. And so he can, number one, meet us in those moments. But, you know, I, I'd also say, as someone who's been single for quite some time, that loneliness has fueled a desire for God that I don't think I would have if I had, you know, married the high school sweetheart and never really felt that pain. It'd be similar to fasting. If that's a, a part of your regular walk, like you don't know true hunger until you're starving or close to it. And so just having that discipline built into your life and being able to conquer your your body it's like mind over you know over your over your desires maybe or your grumblings literally in this sense like when when you're fasting you feel the physical hunger you're like you just have a totally different relationship with food i think loneliness can be can be similar in, in that regard when it comes to relationships and love if you don't have that then you have a perfect understanding of what you're missing. That then is fuel to go to God and cry out like, Lord, I, I don't have the boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse right now. Like I, but I need love. I need this spiritual food. Please meet me here. Yeah. And he can do that in an infinite number of ways through, you know, a call, random call from a friend or, you know, maybe have, you have some sort of encouraging dream or, you know, even just being encouraged by his word, like, wow, I've never seen that verse before. It's like, it came out of thin air. I love it. When wow. That God, happens. do you really, do you really see me? Yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's really nothing like it. And so while I would never wish an extended season of singleness upon somebody like, Hey, I really want you to hurt. That makes no sense. The back end, like what you get from that is is so so amazing and it makes me feel like god knows what he's doing yeah he kind of does know what he's doing which of course he does <laughs> yeah and you know i want to touch back on something that you said you know about jesus being alone he also purposefully was alone so that he could be with the father and then on the cross Ultimately, you know, you also talked about, you know, submitting our, our will to God's will. And that's what Jesus did. He said, not my will, but your will be done. So how much more do we, if Jesus, the perfect man, God incarnate, surrendered his life, how much more do we need to live a life of surrender? 100%. 100%. And that's, that's one thing that I've learned as I've surrendered. You feel like you're giving something. That, that's not, I mean, it, it is true on the surface level, but as time goes on and as your story plays out, you're actually receiving like by, by giving up whatever your dream was or whatever your life, by giving up your life, you receive so much more because I was a guy, if I go back to my minor league baseball career, I felt like I was chasing. I felt like I was chasing all the time. I wanted to get to the big leagues more than anything. And it was first one in, last one out, sacrificing all that. He who keeps his life loses it. Like I was a mess. I was having 
panic attacks at a resting heart rate of 80 beats per minute. When I went into spring training my last year, like I, I was a mess and I would have told you I'm doing exactly what I want to do. That, that does not align like that. That can't possibly be true. If I'm feeling so much stress, so much weight on me. And yet I have a loving father and author of my story who says, Hey, I have a better way. Come to me. Then we'll figure it out. Like it's, it's not, you're not truly, you're not giving and not receiving, you know, like you, you give up the small thing that you think is huge and you get the biggest thing ever. You get, you get God, you get what we are wired to long for. It's, it's good math. It, it adds is, up. <laughs> it, is, it is good math. You know, there's that, that God-shaped hole in our heart that only he can fill. And too often times we look for all the things to validate us externally. But when we come to that place of, of surrender, which is where he wants us anyway, mm-hmm. then he can do amazing things that only he can do when we invite him into our story. So let's get back to your book a little bit and tell me a little bit more about the way you structured your book, because I think that that's really interesting because you looked at other stories and the makeup of the stories. So tell me a little bit more about Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Like I shared, I had written or at least started a couple of books before this and it just, they just didn't have the legs. It's like, oh, this seems like a great idea. And then it just peters out. This one, I had the idea and I knew I was going to complete it. From beginning to end, I saw the entire vision. This is basically what I've done is I've taken two stories. I've taken that love story narrative that we understand. It's the hero, villain, love interest to be saved, paradise lost, paradise restored. We get that. We love it. We go to the theaters all the time and that's what we're watching. So I've taken that story and then also the story of scripture, the story that we are living and married the two to help people to understand the reason why you love the hunger games, the reason why you love the matrix or, I mean, I I quote dozens and dozens of movies and TV shows. Even you look at the, the back and forth relationship of Rachel and Ross in friends, like there there's whispers in there and, you know, talk about it in the book. It is literally everywhere. We humans are a storytelling species because we have a narrative written on our hearts. We, we cannot escape it. It is what we want to live. It's what we believe to be right. What I had gotten wrong is I had shrunk it down to a micro level where Bob is the protagonist of that story. It's like, no, 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 it's, his I am a supporting story. actor yeah. in the master story. And it's, it's so much, so much more significant and beautiful than anything that could be ever written about me or about you or about anybody else. Like we were born into the story, really the only story ever told we were born into it. We were actively living it. And, you know, here we are today on this, on this zoom call, we're just small details of God's master story. And if what the Bible says is true and we as Christians believe that it's the most amazing story you could ever imagine. Like the selflessness that God shows his mercy, his grace, the fact that we'll be with him, enjoying him forever without deserving it. It's nuts. Like what, what a, what an amazing story. And we, we're just born into it. We just get to be a part of it. 
Yeah. It's wild. And he gets any and we get to to do like we get to actually interact and and be used and he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us in the story. He is the story, but he loves mm-hmm. us so much that he allows us to be a part of the great story and to tell others about him and to bring them to him. And so that's it's mind-boggling and such such a privilege. Well, I want to get back to about the singleness just for a minute. If there's anybody who's listening, sure. you know, we are as the as we're recording this, we're going into the holidays. Holidays can be tough for some people and and maybe it's not even just singleness. Sometimes it's the loss of a loved one who's not going to be there. Just that feeling of pain or grief or suffering or loss. How would you encourage them? Yeah, how would you encourage yeah, them? Yeah, I would say I would say the first thing that comes to mind is just to remember the story. Remember the story that we are living. And I mean, what does the word say? In this world, you will have trouble. Like that, that is a guarantee. It's going to take different shapes and things like that. It might be disappointments. It might be you get laid off from work, the loss of a loved one, whatever it is. But that is a guarantee. In this world, you will have trouble. And yet, what does our heart cry for? Like we are longing, we are wired for perfection. That's what we were made to be in. And so I would just say, remember the story. Remember the entire story that God has written from beginning to end, because that is what's promised to us. Scripture, the Bible does not say, hey, if you do all of these things and you're a super great Christian, your life on earth will be perfect. Like God will give you all the things that you want and he's going to turn that frown upside down and all this stuff. Like our hope Yes. And of course he can do that. I, I know he's done that in your life. He's done it in mine, but our hope is for the eternal kingdom. Our hope is in what he does at the end of the story, not on this respective page. It'd be like if you open a novel or something and you know, you're, you're in the hunger games, for example, and Primrose Everdeen gets called to, you know, at the reaping. And this little 12 year old girl is going to the hunger games. And that's the last page that you read. You're like, Oh man, Suzanne Collins, the offer, the author of the hunger games is so cruel. Who would send a 12 year old to it's like, finish, finish the book, Yeah, finish the book. What's difficult for us is we are stuck in the middle right now. We, we have to live out the rest of the story. So if somebody is struggling with, with singleness or the holidays or whatever it might be, I would just say, remember where your hope is. Everything that you want, all of the desires of your heart and more will be given to you in heaven with God. Like he, it is, he is a God of abundance and that, that perfection that we long for, or the, the loneliness because of the love we don't have, you will have it. You will. That's what God promises. And that's where our hope is. That's so right. that, that's what I would say. Yeah. Easier said than done. No <laughs> question. But that that's what the Bible, that's what it promises. Like we have such an amazing story. Yeah. And I love if you take that scripture that you just referenced in this world, you will have tribulation knowing that trouble will come our way. But the last part of that verse is, but take heart because I have overcome the world and Jesus has mm-hmm. overcome the world. And you're right. One day, all things will be new, made new, will be restored. Anything that happens to us on this earth 
pales in comparison to what awaits us in eternity. So Bob, thank you so much for joining me today on By His Grace podcast. I'm excited about your future with this book and your ministry and your podcast and all the things that you are doing. So thanks for taking your time out to join us and share your story today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today on By His Grace. I hope you've enjoyed listening and are encouraged by our guest today. I would love for you to visit my blog, mistyphilip.com, for more encouragement. You can find me on social media as Misty Philip, and I would love to connect with you there. <laughs>